0: This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence.
1: Hello, and welcome to a special Saturday edition of Coffee House Shots. There's lots of talk these days about whether the Tories can win a fifth term, but do they want to win a fifth term? To discuss that, I'm joined by James Forsyth and Fraser Nelson. James, you've written in your Times column on this issue and what it might mean if the Tories did fall out of power. But before we get to that, what are you picking up when it comes to why some might not actually be dashing to the polls?
0: Well, James Kirkup has written about this on on Coffee House as well. There are some Tories who are beginning to muse. Well, look, look at the next few years. You know, the growth forecasts for the first half of the next Parliament are pretty dire. The Tories, by the time the next election, will have been in power for fourteen years. And, you know, some Tories say, look, was it really the best thing in the world to win the 1992 general election? They argue if they lost in 92, Neil Kinnock would have been prime minister, he probably would have been a one term prime minister, and there would have been no Tony Blair and no 13 years in the wilderness for the Tories. So these people begin to say, maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to lose the next election. Now I think actually it would be very bad for the Tories to lose the next election because they would most likely not lose the next election to a Labour Party, but to an anti-Tory majority, which would cause all sorts of problems for them, because an anti-Tory majority would be likely to, for example, change the voting system in ways that would really penalise the Tories and make this, uh, you know, and, and probably put them out of power for a generation.
1: Fraser, are you picking up that level of um, concern that actually perhaps what seems like the obvious thing might not be the right thing in the long term?
2: You do hear this now and again, usually from a political party that deserves to lose power. The argument is, oh, that that would be a good election to lose. We can have a a cold bath, just get ourselves ready. And, uh, And this is, of course, what Labour said about Margaret Thatcher in 1979, that look at this crazy woman, there is no way that she'd be able to keep power. In fact, she's so crazy, she's going to be out in two years. She won't even make it four years. So 1979 was a good election to lose. Well, you know, Margaret Thatcher had other plans, and this is the slight problem with strategic election losing. And if anybody's thinking that way, they basically don't deserve to be in power. And what I think this comes down to is something else simply a Conservative Party has run out of ideas. There's no end of challenges. Now the instinct of anybody in public service should be to run towards political danger. The higher the stakes, the greater the necessity for good ideas. The the more trouble there is for the country, then the more need there is for somebody to come up with great ideas to how to minimize this damage. So if it's your instinct the other way around, you only want to govern in the good times when the economy is growing up, you do not deserve to be in the business of politics at all. So from James's column, which I think is really quite a sort of a landmark in the debate here, you can hear a loud death knell for the Conservatives. And if there is anybody thinking that way, they should be kicked out of the party, basically. Now, I've only heard, you in my own experience, about two or three people Make this argument. It's more common that I hear people in despair about the party more generally, saying Boris doesn't have any ideas, Boris is dysfunctional, I'm not going to win my seat if Boris is leader of the next election. They tend to despair at other people. And then you also hear um, it's funny, you hear Tory MPs complain that Tory MPs don't have any ideas. So it's quite a common complaint to say, oh, look, back in the old days, you had these clubs and societies, these dining clubs and groups that were based around ideas. All the new intake Tory MPs do now is lobby for more spending for their constituencies. So the, the, the complaint here is that there's been a sort of lobotomization of the Tory party, and we should be getting ideas back. And anybody who's making that argument has within their power the ability to try to start a kind of intellectual revival, but they don't. So this is why you hear this spiral of complaints now morphing into this fantasy that it would be good to win the next election because, as James convincingly argues, if the next Labour government changes the voting system, it might be a long, long time before the Tories ever win an election again.
1: Yes, James, Fraser's obviously pointed out that, as in the case of Thatcher, you might think, oh, this is, you know, one term out, but a lot can change in a period. You don't want to bet too much on it. But then also, as we just heard, what are the other dangers if you ended up with a... Labour Party back by others, that could mean the Tories actually have a very, very long period out.
0: The reason electoral reform hasn't happened in Britain is that the current system suits both Labour and the Tories when they're doing well. Tony Blair was very open to the idea of a progressive alliance and working with the Liberal Democrats, but then he decided he didn't really need to change the system, but delivered him a 179-seat majority at Westminster. I mean, the danger for the Tories is, let's say, and this is something that looks quite, lo- quite likely when you look at the local election result on the polls... But, you know, next election, Labour fall quite a long way short of a majority. They can only govern with the connivance of the other parties, you know, Liberal Democrats and the SNP at the very least not opposing them. Then Labour would have to offer electoral reform to Liberal Democrats to get them into coalition. And I also think the Labour Party that had not won a majority for close to two decades would probably be more open to electoral reform than a Labour Party that had just won a majority. And so I think what you then see is, you know, what would electoral reform mean for the Tories? And I think, I think electoral reform would be very bad for the Tories. If you, if you look at the Electoral Reform Society does a kind of projection of what would have happened if every post-war election had taken place under SDV, which is the Lib Dem's preferred system, if the Tories only win two majorities in the post-war era. Margaret Thatcher would not have been able to govern on her own at any point, even in the last election, we'll have seen the Tories 18 seats to short of a majority. And I mean, the problem for the Tories is they've developed a strategy at the moment, which is about mobilising 40-odd percent of the population to deliver them a majority. It is very hard to see in
2: an SDV-based system who would then transfer their votes on to the Tories? Yeah, because Tories tend to have fewer coalition partners than Labour, and, and that is the problem, isn't it? Because you can see the SNP having a coalition with Labour, because SNP is basically left-wing, like Labour. The Lib Dems, you know, when they went into bed with the Tories, disaster for the Lib Dems. I, mean, not yeah, so I think mean. the Lib Dems will not be um, keen on any more coalitions with the Tories in the foreseeable future. Right, Maybe so, timeout. So, 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 so therefore, any system that relies on either transferring your votes from one party to another or on coalitions in government will be bad for the Tories and consigning Britain to a sort of Swedish or Japanese-style system where, like, one party rules power for quite a while. Um, I I, I do wonder, though, I mean, if Labour... Because the thing is, we we always think that nobody's going to win power for the next election when something big happens, and then they do. To so say Labour does actually do better than they expect, the first-past-the-post-voting system magnifies electoral victories. So with a, f- a little bit more percentage, say two or three extra percentage points in the polls, can give you like dozens more seats under this system. So if Labour... It would be quite a big thing for Labour to say that it wants to wash away the chance of winning a significant Blair-style majority ever again, because they could... I mean, what you say, James, could happen, but it would be, Labour would be giving up something as well. Labour would be giving up the power to govern without a coalition partner. And I do wonder how, how quick Labour would be to do that.
1: Perhaps there's hope for the Tories yet. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, James.
2: By the way, can I add a quote here? Yeah, please. When I was um, you know, reading uh, James Kirkham and James Forsyth about these Tories that say they don't want to win, I was struck by something that Angela Rayner said to me when I was interviewed her a couple of years ago. At the time, you know, everybody was resigning from Corbyn's front bench and people were being asked why they wanted to work such a lunatic. And she said something which I think was a very good and very true and also speaks to why I actually admire Angela Rayner. She said, you never, ever give up the chance to change things, ever, no matter how hard it is. If you're elected and if you've got the opportunity to make a difference you take it. I think she's completely right. And the Tories wishing they lost the next election are completely wrong.
1: It's a lesson for any Tories listening. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, James.